All right, so we are in the season of Sukkot. It's fast approaching, and we're really excited about that. I've entitled the message today, Tabernacles and the Birth of Jesus. Perhaps the most joyous Holy Week given to us from God is Sukkot, also known as Tabernacles. And the reason becomes obvious when um, we consider the theological connections between the Holy Day of Tabernacles and the prophesied birth of the Messiah. This goes all the way back to the church fathers. They talked about this. We'll uh, hopefully get to that in my message today. In his incarnation, God the Son came to tabernacle with us. And this is the initial fulfillment of the promise of tabernacles, that God would dwell in the midst of his people. And it's during the Holy Week, this Holy Week, that we celebrate the birth of Messiah as the initial fulfillment of the festival known as Sukkot or Tabernacles. So thank you for joining into this joyous time with us. I know that it can be awkward, right? Because our family, our friends are saying, what are you doing celebrating the birth of Jesus? in September or October, right? And well, that's kind of when it falls. And so there's a lot of water under the bridge and there's a lot of misunderstanding now. Uh, But for those of us who really have a heart to get back to uh, the scriptures, to the roots of our faith, uh, the holy days become vitally important for us as a way of life. And so uh, in that holy day, that holy week of Sukkot, we have all of the theological underpinnings of the birth of Messiah. So we're going to take a look at that, and uh, you can turn with me to Leviticus chapter 23, and I'm going to start in verse 33. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacles begins. It lasts for seven days. So this is a holy week. We call it holy week. It's our holy week that falls in the month of September, October. And, you know, the church may refer to this season as the fall festivals, for instance. Uh, but it comes in the fall, and it's a whole week of celebration. It, go down, it goes down through this passage, and it describes what some of those festivities are. And uh, we'll pick up verse 35 and begin to read. It says, the first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. On the first day, come together. Let's kick off the week. God says, let's kick it off together. So we assemble on the first of this particular Holy Week to celebrate for seven days. Well, actually, we'll come together on the first day, and then we'll continue to celebrate for the next seven days. And then on the eighth day, we're going to hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is the closing special assembly, do no regular work. So again, we kick it off with a time in which we gather together to celebrate. And then at the end of the week, on the eighth day, we come back together, kind of a capstone for that week to say, man, what a week this has been and continue to celebrate the goodness of God that has come to us during this season. Um, I'm going to jump down to verses 42 through 43 because we're already behind. God says concerning this week to live in temporary shelters for seven days. Now, this word shelters is the same word in the Hebrew uh, that we have for tabernacles. 
It is sukkah or sukkot, plural, and it's translated as booths or tabernacles or as we have here, shelters. It's the same word. So live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. God says, memorialize this time, this time in which I was with you in the wilderness and you lived in those little uh, temporary shelters as you sojourned to the promised land. I was with you in the wilderness. In fact, God had his own tabernacle a huge tabernacle, right? And then all the Israelites had their smaller ones. Why? Because God wanted to dwell with his people. And he said, during this week of Sukkot, I want you to live in these temporary shelters for one week. Who? The native born in Israel. Why? Because those of us that live in Colorado, well, it's too cold. (laughs) Or Montana or Alaska, right? So the native born in the land are to do this. But this becomes the very symbol of the week, the sukkah, right? The tabernacle, this temporary dwelling, that's a symbol. That's a symbol of God's dwelling presence with us. God says, I want you you to do this and remind yourselves and your children that my desire is to dwell in your midst. In fact, Exodus 25 in verse 8, God says, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. So God has his big one, and then we all have our small ones. Exodus 29, 45 through 46. God again says, I will dwell among the sons of Israel, and I will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. I'm the one that saved them. I'm their Savior. I'm their Lord. I'm their God. And he says, I want to dwell in their midst and they will know who I am. I want relationship with them. That's really what God was after. God's saying, I want, I want to know you and I want you to know me. I want us to have relationship. This is the heart of God. This is the promise of Sukkot. And again, the symbol of the promise is the Sukkah, the symbol that communicates God's desire to dwell with us is, in fact, the sukkah. So let's talk about this. This is an ancient prophecy that finds its fulfillment in the birth of Yeshua, the Messiah. In fact, we see that first, or maybe not first, but foremost in Isaiah 7.14. Here's an ancient prophecy concerning him. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. The promised seed is coming through a virgin. It's going to be a miraculous birth, and she will call his name what? Emmanuel, which means in the Hebrew, God with us. He shall be God with us. So right there, we see intimated in this passage a connection with God's promised desire, his desire and a promise to come and dwell with us. God with us, right? This is the fulfillment of the promise. I'm going to be with my people. I want to dwell with them. And this birth is going to be the initial fulfillment of that promise that he made in this ancient holy day called Sukkot, the week of tabernacles. 
Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the Messiah coming to us through a human birth. And Jesus' birth is actually described as God's dwelling presence coming to us in a surprisingly new and living way. John puts it this way. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. The Father and the Son, in essence, are one and the same. They are God. And in the beginning, the Word who was with God and is God became one of us, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Keep that slide up for just one minute. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The, this, the, the Greek word here that we translate dwelt is skinu. And this actually means to pitch a tent. Think about this. The Greek word dwell is skinu, translated to pitch a tent. You can go to slide 29. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. My fault. To pitch a tent. Think tabernacles. Think booths, right? Think temporary shelters to pitch a tent, to encamp, to tabernacle, to dwell in a tent, to dwell, to have one's abode. Now, if that's not the theological underpinnings of the week of Sukkot, I don't know what is. That John would describe the birth of Jesus in the context of tabernacling with us in flesh and blood, that he would describe it with the very Greek word that's found also in the Septuagint that describes tabernacling during this week. It's an amazing connection. Make no mistake about it, John is connecting theologically the birth of Jesus with the week of tabernacles. Catholic scholars admit to this connection between festival, uh, the festival of tabernacles and the birth of Jesus. I want to give you an example of this. Um, a Catholic theologian by the name of Jean uh, Danielou, he wrote a book called The Bible and Liturgy, and he discusses the connection between the festival, the Jewish festival of tabernacles, and the nativity. And he quotes from uh, a famous church father, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce his name. I'll probably butcher it. Gregory Nazianzin Oz. You don't know if I pronounce that right because I don't even have it up, but that's probably why. But this is what this church father had to say in his sermon on the nativity. And uh, this is back in the fourth century. It says, the subject of today's feast referring to the 25th of December, Christmas, the subject of today's feast is the true feast of tabernacles. 
He goes on to say, indeed, in this feast, the human tabernacle was built up by him, speaking of Jesus, who put on human nature because of us. Our tabernacles, which were struck down by death, are raised up again by him who built our dwelling from the beginning, therefore harmonizing our voices with that of David. Let us also sing the psalm, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This verse was sung during the procession of the Feast of Tabernacles. This church father, in his sermon about Christmas, is saying actually the true fulfillment is the Jewish festival of tabernacles when he became a human tabernacle and dwelt among us, thus fulfilling the promise that God made of dwelling with his people. I think this is insightful, especially in light of the fact that he's one of the church fathers. This goes way, 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 many centuries before the Protestants. And so it's part of our church history and part of, you know, the, the closer you get to the first century, uh, the more that you're going to see of the truths that maybe perhaps you and I hold dear. Um, but you'll find those, uh, the, you know, as we go earlier into our, our history. My question for my Catholic friends is this. If the birth of Jesus is the true feast of tabernacles, why not celebrate it during the Holy Week of Tabernacles? You know, that's my question. And I, I want to say this. Um, whether you're Catholic or Protestant, we're all a part of the body of Messiah. And so my, my, my question is sincere, and I, I always want to pose that to my uh, especially Catholic uh, brothers and sisters because it's that faith that understands well the connection between the birth of Jesus and the week of Tabernacles. So this present-day scholar, Catholic scholar, uh, Danny Liu, writes, quote, The coming of Christ, his birth, thus is seen to be the inauguration of the true Feast of Tabernacles. He connects the dots. He says, Tabernacles is the inaugural fulfillment of what was promised in Moses' day. The inaugural fulfillment, because there's a consummate fulfillment that comes as well. But he hit the mark when he said this is the inaugural fulfillment. He goes on to say, quote, he appears a new harmony. Here appears a new harmony. The skinu, Greek word for the tent, the human dwelling at the beginning, have been struck by sin. Christ comes to raise them up. Slide 33. Christ comes to raise them up to restore human nature to inaugurate the true Feast of Tabernacles prefigured in Jewish liturgy. Thank you. He goes on to say, And the beginning of this Skenopegia, Feast of Tabernacles, is the incarnation itself, in which, according to St. John, Christ built the tabernacles of his own body. Verse 14. The Bible and liturgy is where you can find this. Amazing when you think about this. This particular writer today is saying the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, is the fulfillment of the festival of Sukkot. He goes on to say, it does indeed seem as if it were this term, skinu, right, tabernacle or to dwell, this term of St. John, which makes this connection 
between the Feast of Skinu, Tabernacles, and the Feast of the Birth of Christ. And this is from, again, a modern Catholic theologian, celebrated theologian, working from the illustrious and oldest archives of church history in Vatican Rome. And this concession to the truth of the theological setting of the birth of, of Christ is a game changer for all of us who are advocates of the truth. I don't have time to go into this, but I want to give you this particular resource from another, uh, this is a Protestant scholar by the name of Dr. Michael Heiser. He has a PhD in Hebrew studies. His specialty is the intertestamental period. Um, but he has on his iTunes podcast, and it's called, if you go to iTunes, um, go to iTunes and just find the Naked Bible Podcast. Naked Bible Podcast. Um, and it is number 138, 138, entitled, What Day Was Jesus Born? He also makes a compelling case for the birth of Jesus during the fall holy days in the Bible. And I think more and more as we you know, approach the coming of the Lord, uh, truth becomes more and more apparent. People are hungry for it. They're returning to it, and, and people are beginning to see it. And it's exciting. It's exciting to follow this whole uh, energy that's saying we want to really come into harmony with the scriptures and with the roots of our faith. Suffice it to say, the fall Holy Week of Tabernacles is indisputably the theological backdrop and setting for the birth of Jesus. This is why we celebrate it during this week. And I know, I know that we just look a bit wacky. What? You know, what, what's a sukkah? What is that again? And what are you doing? And Jesus' birth, you guys crazy, you know? And it's really the same things we all feel about those that are doing it in the middle of winter with all that goes into that, right? And so it's a great dialogue, and I want to encourage you, you know, if, if you're going to pursue the truth, it is going to put you in conflict with the cultures that you live in, the societies that you find yourself among. Uh, even within the church at times, you'll find yourself the odd man out. But that's the nature of truth. Not everyone sees it. Not everyone's hungry for it. In fact, you know, if you don't love the truth, you're predisposed for a deception automatically. You got to have a heart for the truth. You got to have a hunger for the truth. He's not only a God of love and compassion, he's a God of truth, right? And so uh, I want to encourage you to jump in and begin to celebrate the birth of Jesus during this time and use it as a point of dialogue for those that come over and uh, visit you during the week and have fun with that and enjoy that and make sure the dialogue is healthy. Don't get judgy, right? Don't have to get judgy, uh, but just explain to people why you do what you do. And I think they'll find in that and discover in that uh, some of the mystery and beauty of keeping the high points of Jesus's birth and ministry within the context of the holy day. So let me just close with this. God's promise to Moses to come and dwell in our midst 
starts with the earthly tabernacle in the wilderness and finds its initial fulfillment in the birth of Jesus. The inaugural fulfillment, the consummate one, is Revelation chapter 21, where we will be with God in the new creation and we will see him face to face and he will tabernacle with us in the ultimate setting and way in which is prefigured both in Christ and then all the way back in the times of Moses. It is irrefutable, irrefutable, that the Apostle John, being a Jew, casts the birth of Jesus in the language and symbol of the festival of tabernacles. So in the fall, instead of the winter, we decorate tabernacles instead of green trees. It's a different symbol. It's a different symbol. You know, but the meaning and the purpose of that symbol communicates the glory of who Yeshua is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us in human flesh and blood, in a human tabernacle dwelling in our midst. This is undeniably the initial and ongoing fulfillment of what was promised in the Holy Week of Tabernacles. God's presence with us in a new way in a new way. He is Emmanuel, dwelling with us, as one of us. So get your sukkah ready, decorated to the hilt, for unto us a child is born, and he will be called Emmanuel, for God is with us. Now I have handouts for those that are new. Maybe you've never done this before. And they're on the back of our foyer uh, on one of the racks how to build a sukkah. And so it's pretty simple if you want to build a sukkah, if you've never done that, the, you, here's a handout that will help you do that. And some ideas about decorating that. Uh, but I want to give that to you. If that's a little bit too intimidating for you, that's okay. Uh, put up a nativity scene in your home, right? Uh, that both the nativity scene and the tabernacle symbolizes the incarnation, which is the fulfillment of the week of Tabernacles, in which we celebrate God becoming one of us. Joy to the world, the Lord is born, right? Joy to the world, the Lord is born. Let earth receive her king. This is why we do what we do. So have fun, have a festive time during this fall week, invite people over, honor Jesus in his birth. This is where it all begins. This is our joy. He is the reason for the season, and we will reclaim the holy days for his glory. Shabbat shalom.